You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Encourage you, as Brett said, bring your Bibles. This is time for in the Word and uh, for us to learn and grow. And you need to not only hear the Word, it's important to see the Word of God. And, and if you don't have a Bible, we would. there's a table under the tree area there where you can take a Bible. And uh, that is our gift to you if you do not have one at home. And uh, take that, read it, allow God to change your life as you approach Him in humble submission towards His Word. He answers our prayers when we call upon him in that way. Romans chapter 8. We're starting, uh, we're starting with a little quiz today, and I have high hopes for you today. Romans 8 begins with no. All right, and ends with no. Right on. No condemnation, no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been talking through this, and it's nice that all these weeks into it, you're getting this, you're grasping it. It's so important. However, in between our salvation and this glorification when we get to heaven, there's a lot of life that happens in between, a lot of months, a lot of years, decades even, many decades from, for, for, for many of us, for many of you, from your salvation experience where you came to know Jesus Christ and were adopted as one of his children until the day that we see him face to face, there's a lot of life. And, and we need to understand in this in-between time, it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be your best life now because your best life now isn't happening here. It's going to happen in heaven one day. And until then, we're going to experience trouble and sorrow and suffering and groaning. That's all part of this world. I mean, just listen to some of the news headlines from this past week. I just went through partway through the week and then towards the end of the week again, a number of news headlines. And, and, and oftentimes, we're not even aware of these things going on because we have our heads so much in other things, virus-related, vaccines-related. But listen to what's going on. The unrest in the Middle East. How long will this ceasefire last for? Or the death toll in the Congo continues to rise from the volcano that happened there. Or an Italian cable car plunges to the ground, killing 14 people. Or how about this? 21 Chinese athletes competing in a 100-kilometer ultra-mountain marathon died after a blast of unexpected extreme cold weather. You hear about that this week? Probably not. Or the house fire in Rutland that caused extensive damage. Or a drunk semi-truck driver on the connector that was arrested in this past week. And yet so sadly, as all of our lives, I believe you live here in the central Okanagan, have been affected and, and, and just disrupted as the news came out early Thursday morning of the, 12 stu- or the grade 12 students, the three of them that were killed in a car accident on Gordon Road, Gordon Drive. Tragedy. And then this from Kamloops on Friday, we started hearing the news of the graves of 215 indigenous children discovered near a residential school. Such devastation, such grief, such sorrow, such brokenness, such evil and sadness in our world. And that's just in the news. That's just going on all around us. How about in our own personal lives? How about the the trials and the disappointments and and, and the strife that that you're facing right now in your own mind, in your own life, in, in regards to your own personal life and thinking and circumstances or that of your family for your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your grandparents? Those unmet longings and hurts, the unanswered prayer, the fears, the concerns, the issues that we carry and we battle on a daily basis. 
whether it's through the day or in the middle of the night. And so here we are, Romans chapter 8, this incredible Holy Spirit chapter in the Bible. So powerful, so effective, so enlightening. But here in verses 18 to 25, as Nate read for us a little earlier, these verses all of a sudden kind of, they seem kind of oddly placed here in some ways. Because right after this great passage we looked at last Sunday about the glorious, amazing doctrine of of adoption, that we are children of God. If we have turned to Jesus Christ in surrender and given him our lives, we become children of God who are loved, accepted, valued, joint heirs with Jesus. We've got it all. We've got so much. And then right next to this is a passage on suffering, on trials. And it's placed here because God wants us to know. He wants you to know. You have to understand that for the child of God, even desiring to live a committed, holy, sanctified a life of obedience to Jesus Christ, to his word, desiring to obey it and follow it. It does not guarantee, does not guarantee you a, a, a life free of suffering. In fact, in many ways, it will bring it on in even a greater way. And it's in these times of trials and despair and discouragement that we need to cry from our adopted state. Oh, Daddy, Abba, Father, Papa, come. I, I need help. I need your strength. And here we see some beautiful reminders here. This passage is an awesome, awesome reminder to us that for the true follower of Jesus Christ, you're groaning. The groaning you've experienced in your life, the groaning you're experiencing right now, those unmet desires and and the hurts and 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 the concerns about the future and all of these different things the groaning that we're going through now will one day result in glory ultimate glory not for us but glory to god in experiencing his glory and this passage is a reminder of that and so today three realities encourage you to have your little bulletin folders open there there's the points that we're going to be looking through as well some additional scriptures you might want to write some other things down little points that kind of stick out as you work through it online we welcome you to be part of this as well and you're going to have the points on the bottom of the screen come up for you encourage you to write these down pay attention to this number one my groaning reminds me of the glory to come the groaning we're facing is just to, to be a reminder to us of the glory to come look at verse 18 read for us again but we're going to work through this again for i consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us now that word suffering that you see there you may want to underline that in your bibles that is in the original greek language that word for suffering isn't just a mild little suffering and some you know like you know oh mosquito bite you know little thing here or there no It's not even a moderate kind of suffering. This is a word of deep pain and anguish, the kind of suffering that produces physical or emotional or mental, spiritual even anguish in our lives. The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said this, to to live is to suffer and to survive is to find some sort of meaning in the suffering. To live is to suffer, and to survive is to find some sort of meaning in that suffering, which as far as we know, he failed to find the true meaning of his suffering in life. The old Russian philosopher can't even say his name. He said this, suffering is life. Suffering is life. Or someone else said, life is hard, and then you die. 
Again, very true. And last week, we touched on an interesting statement about suffering. We kind of got a little teaser into it in verse 17, and we didn't go into it very much, but we're looking at it here today. I'm just going to recap, look at verse 17 of Romans 8, and it says, and if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's the good news. As children of God, we are heirs of God, of his inheritance of what he has, together with Jesus. Jesus is sharing with us his inheritance. But as it continues on, it says, provided, little asterisk, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. Living the life of a believer in Christ means that there's going to be increased suffering, persecution, things that don't seem right or fair at times when we choose and decide to be faithful to follow Christ. But God wants to know that just because you are a Christian, because you are a child of God, we can still expect to experience trouble, heartache, difficulty. It will come knocking on our door in all different forms at all different times. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, Verse 23, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Picking up a cross, carrying it. That means endurance. It means at times pain. But this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. But to know that our groaning will lead to something great. Living faithful, obedient, holy lives, desiring to live in this way, will bring trials and difficulties and persecution simply for following Christ. Teenagers today, young adults at times, desiring to follow the word of God when it comes to living a party lifestyle, when it comes to sexual immorality, when it comes to these kind of things that everyone seems to be doing, and you decide to follow Christ, it will seem at, at times not fair, it will seem not right. God just doesn't want you to have any fun. No, he wants you to experience ultimate fun and experience his glory through living a life obedient to his word. Yet Paul wants us to know that our groanings will one day lead to glory. And here in verse 18, he sets for us, look at it again, verse 18, we see this important contrast between the present suffering and the future glory that God is preparing for his very own. We see a contrast here. Look at verse 18 again. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Now, look at that word consider. You may want to underline. You may want to consider, underlining the word consider. But even beside that, I'd encourage you to write down the word reckon. The word reckon. And when I think of the word reckon, I think of uh, Granny uh, on... Uh, oh, now I'm just, the Beverly Hillbillies, yeah, because she, I reckon I'm going to come and give you a whopping, whatever it might be to Jethro, or I, can you just hear her just in her old lace, I reckon I'm going to do this. Well, right in there, because the King James Version puts it, the word reckon, and I love the word reckon, not only because of Granny Clampett, but because that word means to calculate, to compute, to weigh. This image, when we hear the word image, hear the word reckon, should create a bit of an image in our minds, that of a scale. Of, of kind of one of those old-fashioned balance scales, all right? And Paul is saying, take the trials and the suffering and the disappointments and the heartache and the pain and the groanings and put it on one side of the scale. And then you take and you place on the other side the glory, not our glory, but the glory of heaven, the glory that is, is revealed to us just in, in small form right now, but will one day be greatly revealed to us on the other side. And, and, and you place that on the other side and there's just gonna be no comparison, now, now, Paul isn't making light 
of the trials and the suffering we go through and say, it's nothing. You know, just wrap up all the trials and the suffering and the difference, put it all on scale. No, he, he's not minimizing that one little bit. He's not minimizing the hurt, the loneliness, the heaviness that we go through. He's not saying it's not real. He's not denying. He's not saying, oh, it's just an illusion, kind of like Christian science declares. But instead, Paul wants us to understand and, and, and that to be human is to suffer and we're going to experience this. And, and he had a great kind of degree, if you want to call it. He had his doctorate in the area of suffering. He was probably one of the most afflicted, persecuted humans in history other than Jesus. And so Paul had the authority based, to be on a personal, based on a very personal experience to be able to say this. Wrap it all up, put it on a scale and place it there. Just listen to what he describes in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, picking it up in verse 23. As he's talking a little bit about his life in 2 Corinthians 11. It says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many, a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me from the anxiety for all the churches. This guy had a lot on the scale of heaviness and, and the scale of hurt and, 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 and just weariness and groaning. And here he's saying, take it all up. Take it and bundle it all up and consider it, reckon it on one side of the scale and then take in place on the other side of the scale the glory that will one day be revealed to us in the glory of heaven. And he's telling us there's going to be no comparison. It's like taking a beluga whale and taking a minnow. Our, our trials and our concerns and our difficulties are like that little minnow. And the glory of heaven. And, and, and he said, it doesn't even compare. You can't even come Even that the minnow and the whale compares doesn't even come close. Because listen to what he describes here about the glory of heaven. He was an expert in suffering, but he was also an expert in, in, in understanding and getting glimpses into just a little bit of the understanding of what the glory of heaven is going to be like. Listen to what he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Actually, I believe it might even be 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he writes this, I know a man, now he's writing about himself, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man cannot even utter. He's saying, just based on what I heard in this vision, or whether he was taken into this third heaven, into what is, is described as the glory of heaven that will one day be revealed, just based on what he heard, let alone saw, he just says there's no words. There's no language. He's trying to describe a dimension that is impossible, absolutely impossible to describe in the English language. And remember, Paul was articulate. He was trained. 
in literature and language. And yet he, a guy who spoke very much, spoke for a living, he couldn't even describe what he heard. He's basically saying here, if I was to try to describe it, I would mar it, I would ruin it, I just wouldn't do it justice. Because there's just no way to describe the glory of heaven. He wrote in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind comprehend what God has prepared for those who love him. As well as in 2 Corinthians 4.17, he says, for these light and momentary affliction. And again, remember his light and momentary afflictions? Is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so he's telling us, our groaning reminds us that there's glory yet to come. And second of all, we must understand, I join all creation in longing for ultimate glory. There's something innate within us. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. There is something in creation. There's something in you and I that is longing for this ultimate glory. Look at verse 19. Follow along from Romans 8. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. From those verses, we see creation is groaning. It's broken and it's groaning. We as humans, we are broken and we are groaning. And this world, our society, we would so readily admit just even in your drive here this morning, beauty all around us, but we see that even this world, this society is broken and it's groaning. And we're all looking, waiting, wanting for this glory to be revealed. But verse 20, it says, we're subjected to futility. That's an ugly word for emptiness, that right now it's all futile. We just see futility all around us. And, and, and Paul likens this to the pain of to, to the groaning, to childbirth, to birth pains. Now, I haven't personally experienced birth pains, uh, thankfully. I, I was in the room twice and remained conscious, conscious during that time. Uh, and I think relatively helpful, uh, at least in my own mind I was. And, and uh, I must say that laughing gas really helped to take the edge off, at least for me a little bit in that process. Now, during delivery of our daughter, Clarice, Charlotte's doctor was kind of scolding her in between contractions. And she's like, stop shouting, stop screaming so loud. Put that energy into your pushing, not into your vocal cords, she's telling her. And Charlotte's, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that there was, you know, hashtag, uh, all kinds of like, what are you telling me to do? I knew Charlotte wasn't impressed with that. Later on, she told us that when she gave birth to her children, that the screams and shrieks could be heard throughout the hospital from when she herself was giving birth. And Paul is saying, just as birth pains, as excruciating as they can be, that groaning, the birth pains, end up giving way to something incredible, something beautiful that we hold in our arms, that we say it was worth it, it was worth it. 
And he's saying that one day, this groaning will give way to glory. Creation's groaning. This is so amazing. Creation's groaning will give way to glory. And for the child of God, the groaning that you're experiencing and going through even today, it will burst forth in indescribable, immeasurable, eternal glory. This groaning started in Genesis 3. Before that, there was no groaning. But it started in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve willfully sinned, when they violated the command of God. And as a result of that, sin entered into the world and creation started groaning. And we've been living with the effects of their decision ever since. And ever since then, creation, humanity, this world has been broken and groaning under this curse. God said in Genesis 3, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." Prior to Genesis 3, everything was perfect. The grass, the trees, the fields, they flourished. Flowers never withered. The grass never had to be cut. It never had to be watered. There was no, war, no weeds or thorns or thistles. Perfect. The animals rejoiced in the presence of humans. Now they're afraid of us or we're afraid of them, depending on the size and, and the severity and, and the type of animal. Back then, the lion would lay down with the lamb. The only way that's happening today is if the lamb is inside the stomach of the lion and the lion is laying down. All creation is broken. It's subjected to futility, as it says in verse 20. Even in our work, even in our labor, you can work so hard, earning a living, paying the bills, and at times it just seems so futile, like you can't get ahead. Or things just, you, you work hard in the garden and, and, and you turn around and there's more weeds growing and, and, and all of this is, is this groaning that's happening all around us in creation, in our work. The futility is why we are seeing with greater regularity. The Bible has an answer to what's going on around us. This is why we are seeing with greater regularity and greater intensity the natural disasters. The wildfires, the droughts, the floods, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the volcanoes, the earthquakes. Not only how these disasters devastate nature, and at times you kind of think, man, how long is this going to take to recover? Where I love to go and spend time up in the uh, Okanagan Mountain area in there, there's that great fire that took place 18 years ago. You're still seeing the results of the devastation, you still go out and you can touch some of those, those stumps and you still get a black hand from it because of the charcoal is still there, the reminder of that. New trees haven't all grown up and taken over and made a new forest there yet. No, that was 18 years ago. We just see the way that, that the world, the earth has been devastated in this way. But not only has the earth been devastated, how oftentimes these disasters claim human lives and displace the survivors, forcing them, causing them to have to rebuild. We might try to blame global warming or climate change. And yes, we need to care for our planet. But the ultimate cause of what we are seeing is the devastating curse of sin. And this curse that is just going out of control. 
This old earth is decaying. It's broken. It's dying. It's winding down. It's the law of thermodynamics or entropy. And, and, and with man's greed along with that in the population we see, it's further ravaging it. It's the principle of disorder and dis- decay. I'm in a Kelowna gardening Facebook group, and, and uh, uh, not that I do a lot of the gardening, I just like to be informed a little bit. I, I like the part that has to do with cherries, that kind of gardening. And, uh, and, and, and so they discuss fruit and vegetables, and all the time, I mean, I see on this, this Facebook page, or I hear from the prairies about these various bugs and blights and funguses and weeds that are kind of taking over. You would think that these things should be becoming less and less with further advancements and sprays and all of these different things. No. Verse 22 describes creation and just constant labor and it's just decaying and it's just like, ah. And as we near the end, and this old world is coming to an end, as we near Christ's return, there will only be more of these labor pains with greater intensity. This is God's global warning system to us to wake up, to take stock of our lives, to prepare, to prepare others, to be on mission, sharing the good news of the gospel. And what do these birth pains give give way to? Well, we're going to get to that in a second. But we see that creation is broken and groaning. You and I, I look at you folks, you're broken and groaning. You're getting old. I can't believe it. I've known some of you for, you know, 10, up to 10 years. You're getting broken and groaning. No matter how much kale you eat, you're broken and you're groaning, and one day it's going to end for you. It's going to happen to all of us. Now, lately I've discovered the game of spike ball. It's taken me a little while to get to this point in my life, but honestly, I'm pretty good at it. So I've been told by myself and by family that I think are still looking for financial handouts and a son-in-law, future son-in-law that wants my daughter's hand in marriage. But yeah, you know, I think I'm not bad at it. And even Nate, our son, even said he'd call me um, whenever that he and his buddies are playing and kind of need an extra. Still kind of waiting for that call, Nate. I believe it'll be coming sooner or later. Well, after I played last weekend, man, the next day my arm was sore. My back was sore. My legs are a little bit sore. Now, I know like my arm was sore because I have a pretty violent serve. And so, you know, you kind of pay for it afterwards. And legs and back a little sore from those dives I was making to save the game. I paid for it though. Our bodies, they groan. How many of you got up out of bed this morning? And you, you could even still be in your 20s. You think you're invincible. Like, oh, that's kind of hurts. That's kind of painful. We're getting older. Getting older, listen to this statement, I love this. Getting older is just one body part after another saying, ha ha, you think that's bad, watch this. You know, and, and so we have this, this war going on within our bodies. And so yes, we're aging, we're getting older, there's this groaning that's going on. But add to that, to the aches and pains, the cancer and the heart disease and the diabetes and the viruses and the chronic pain and the genetic or immune disorders or various disabilities or addictions and tiredness or weariness and all of these things we're going through. Add to that the disappointments in life, the things that we hope for, long for, prayed for, never materialized yet or not materialized or just never will happen or the broken relationships. Add to that the end of a marriage, the family member that disappoints us or abandons us or 
Or, or, or add to that the battle with a substance abuse or all kinds of addictions that you just can't seem to kick. Add to that the guilt and the shame and the regrets that haunt us from our past. Add to that the assaults and the abuse and the robberies and the drunk drivers and the financial scams and the damage from the drug and the porn industry. Add to that corrupt politicians. Add to that economic and political issues and concerns. And it just see, as it seems even our world and, and our society is moving more and more towards socialism. Add to that. I mean, the sheer weight of all of this it's a miracle that we're even getting two feet in front of the other there's groaning and all that's going on creation is groaning humanity our bodies are growing and yet for the child of God in the midst of all of this groaning around us there's inwardly an eager anticipation that out of it out of the chaos out of the groaning there is hope and there is hope folks because there's glory yet to come Look what it says in verse 19. Creation waits with eager longing. J.B. Phillips says it like this. Creation waits on tiptoes for what God has in store. Creation, even the animals around us, have an earnest expectation, a conviction of hope that one day it'll all change and God's glory will be revealed. Ecclesiastes tells us that God has placed has set eternity in our hearts and we're wired and we're geared. And God's promise, God's word promises that the groaning, these birth pains, whether that's in creation, whether it's in our lives, in our world, will one day lead to redemption, to the glory of a new creation, of new bodies, in a new heaven and a new earth. But the key to navigating and living in this groaning and this suffering is to remember that he is with us in the midst. It is to process it all, all that we're going through in light of what's ahead and to realize that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who's committed their life full on to Jesus Christ, we will stand there one day. You will stand there one day. Little old me, little old you standing in the midst of glory in God's perfect, indescribable beauty and majesty. Nothing can compare to this. The suffering and the pressures and the frustrations in this world will give way to this eternal weight of glory. And Paul is saying that one day, a new body that is made for the perfection of heaven, it's going to be pretty different than our bodies that we have now, and will possess a glory that is on par with heaven will be our new state. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be made to be like His glorious body. We'll be made new. And we must remember that all this groaning will give way to this indescribable glory. And you say, prove it, show it. Well, let's look to God's word. Listen to what, what John wrote in Revelation 21. He said this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. As I was looking at this passage since last Monday, there was an old hymn that started going through my mind as I was looking at this and, 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 and was brought to mind. And I asked Darren Rosler and his dad if they could sing this for us. Just a part of it. And for those of you watching from home, you're going to get to see this uh, on video. And the rest of you will release it on the online lobby a little later on. But you'll get to hear the audio here in, on the patio and in your cars. But just listen to this old hymn. And the words for the course are on the bottom of your bulletin there, and you may want to follow along. You might even want to sing. comprehend what he has. And the third and final reality truth we have here is I can have hope secured only in Jesus. My glory, the glory that we will one day experience will only be secured in Jesus. Look at verse 24. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This hope, from, this hope that we experience from groaning to glory is only secured in Jesus Christ. The word hope is used five times in these two verses. And how Paul uses this word hope and how we see it in the New Testament is being used 
is different than how we use it today. The word hope today is dominated by uncertainty. I hope it's a nice weather on, on Sunday. I hope the surgery goes well. Biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is a sure, confident certainty in the promises that God has given to his children. And the only reason Paul uses the word hope here in this situation is not because there is any uncertainty associated with this truth of glory. It's simply because it hasn't happened yet. It's still in the future. But this hope is so sure that we are to wait for it and we know with eagerness and perseverance that it's coming and so we press on. But this hope is only secured and made possible in Jesus. We will one day, every one of us, one day, enter into the perfection of heaven. The groaning will instantly turn to glory. But it's only for those, it's everyone who has placed their faith their trust in Jesus Christ here on this earth. The decision that you made on earth while you were still alive, still yet breathing, will determine your reality of glory. You will see it as a worshiper or you will see God's glory from a distance. Groaning to glory happens when we put our faith and trust 100% on Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the cross for our sins, understanding that He paid the penalty for us by his death, burial, and resurrection. And when we commit our lives to him as Lord and Savior, we will know and we can anticipate that we will experience one day his glory forever. This hope is yours. And now we are mere waiting for this to unfold in God's timing. Whether that be the return of Christ or the rapture or individually, when death claims each one of us, we can go from groaning to glory. Let's face it, life is hard, and then you die. And within a millisecond after death, it will be instantaneously, indescribably, eternally better, more amazing than we could ever imagine as we experience God's glory revealed. Or God's glory will be viewed from a distance and instantaneously, instantaneously indescribably, eternally, it will be awful where God's word describes it as weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's why it's vital that you make Jesus your Lord and Savior today. It doesn't mean that the suffering and the trials will end, but it means that you have glory guaranteed, the hope on the other side, and that he is with you through his Holy Spirit, through the body of Christ, through the encouragement of his word. We would love to help you with this relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not know him personally, there's one of these envelopes that's available uh, on the table under the tree there. I encourage you to take this and, 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 and not just take it, talk to myself, to one of our leaders, to one of the ushers. We'd love to be able to talk to you further about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the source. He's the only way to be saved. And then for the rest of us here today that know Jesus Christ, yes, we groan through this broken life, but listen to this promise from Jesus, this command from Jesus even, where he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is essentially telling us, I didn't say it would be easy, but I said it will be worth it. And Heavenly Father, even now I pray that we would look at the 
groaning and the weight and the despair and the discouragement that we're even facing right now and we would put it into your hands. That we would surrender it to you to know that one day this groaning will end in ultimate glory. Not our glory, it will be your glory full on free forever in eternity. And so whatever it is that we're facing, would we be caused to be able to declare as the band sings for us now that no matter what, it is well with our soul.